Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, but the difficulty of this, this discussion is we don't even know what we're talking about. Like, not, not that, like, we're ill-informed that, like, just nobody, <laughs> Kenny Bing doesn't know. want you to put the word out that we're back up starting 502 podcast Preston Meyer back with you as always and today we are joined by a very special guest well, he's not really a guest but more of a of a family member Jacob Blaine starting 502 podcast for the first time since like December how we doing sir I'm good it's interesting the last time I was on was after I think like southeastern Louisiana and we were complaining about Jalen as the five thinking oh you know this is just a just bumpy beginning of the season Little did I know what was uh, set to happen, but I'm here, um, and it's funny you call me uh, a guest. I'm I'm technically like the co-founder of this podcast in a way. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I, the, the title is weird. Not, I've been kind of grandfathered in at this point. Not like the normal. It's just not the normal what we're used to. So I got to let yeah. people know what's up. You know, that's right. And that's right. Nick Nick Connor, if you have a teacher in your life and you understand. And Nick is, uh, I think, elementary school. I think he teaches like fourth grade. I want to say I could be wrong. I should know this. Like I should know. This. I should as well. Maybe we're terrible friends. I don't know. We but that's how guys are, right? <laughs> we're just like, yeah, sports, we bro. Know. Yeah, whatever. Right. He teaches. We know that. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, the, the, with that kind of profession comes a little bit of extra responsibility in life. And so, with Louisville basketball not being necessarily the best thing to talk about in the world, Nick's got some other things he's got to take care of. And so, we wish him well. As he does that, but uh, he'll be back. I'm just here temporarily trying to keep the seat warm uh, for him because you know this seat's not—it's not mine. It's his. Well, if you, so if you do a good enough job, maybe his seat will stay warm. 
So how that's about right. that? Yeah, keeps Little. his hot takes underneath him. Yeah, that's right. So he knows, you know, halfway during the season, or a lot of the times, I shouldn't say halfway, but during the season, he didn't even want me on the show because he knew I was going to come out with, with takes that were too hot. Right. Way yeah. too hot. No, Way I, mean, too I, hot. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. But no, I mean, we some, some hot stuff right now that we have to get into. Um, first of all, basically some housekeeping. Uh, Gabe Wisnitzer, I didn't mention this on the last podcast, but it actually just happened when I recorded, but Gabe Wisnitzer into the transfer portal for Louisville. Not really a big surprise. Uh, and then Samuel Williams into the transfer portal. Uh, the bigger news that kind of came out this week uh, was Tay Davis, younger brother of Dre Davis, who's been a long time commit. And it, it felt like if Louisville held on to, to Tay, then they're keeping Dre. If not, then it's, they've kind of felt like a package deal for a little bit. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but that's just kind of the way it has felt. Seems like kind of an underrated prospect. I, I want to say similar kind of discipline to his game. Obviously, you have the same dad. That's that's how things work. <laughs> True. Uh, that's that that's that's how it goes, Jacob. That's I, uh, that is the greatest fact that you could start with. They yeah, got the ab- same absolutely. Dad. <laughs> but no, no. Dre, so Dre and Tay's dad is is a coach. Uh, yeah, I think he was at Warren Central and moved, and Tay Tay moved with him essentially. Uh, but regardless kind of like a top 150 type of player and and i mean after the season that that Wobble just had we shouldn't be just discounting the fact that that they're going to be missing out on a player like that now i mean they could come in and get sky clark and some of these other guys that we'll get into here in a little bit it should be noted that he seemed like he was really all in and then once kind of kenny Payne has been in for a couple of weeks decided to ultimately ask out of his letter of intent uh, I don't know if that means that Dre Davis is gone, but I think a lot of people have thought that the writing's on the wall about that. Any comments about the, I guess we know three people are gone for sure. Uh, any thoughts on that? And maybe even who you think might be gone next? Yeah, I think that the all of them to me are not necessarily shocking. The Tay Davis one, I think is the most kind of like conversation, you know, narrative driven one because of the fact of, you know, was that Kenny Payne and his, you know, staff that we don't know of saying, hey, you know, maybe you need to probably look elsewhere. Or was that, Tay Davis concerned about his future and what role he might have, um, you know, and going to the, the coaching staff and saying, I want out. So it's, it's interesting to see what will happen. I think what what happens with Dre will be, you know, obviously Dre Davis will be kind of lined up there. But Gabe Witznitzer, not surprised he left. Good for him. I hope that he ends up at Iona. I saw that. That was one of his, you know, early schools of interest. I would have loved to have seen him gone to Bellarmine, I, you know, staying here. I think he would have been a, a great great big man for Scotty D uh, and somebody who could have, you know, uh, fortified the the inside there for them for many years to come. Cause he's got like five more years of eligibility left. Uh, and then Sam, you know, look, I, we can have the conversation of what he is versus what we thought he would be. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that things didn't work out the way that they, you know, we thought that they would a McDonald's all American and it. In fact, it just plays right into that narrative of, all the McDonald's All-Americans that, you know, were before him of BJ King, Smarto Samuels, Wayne Blackshirt, guys who just didn't pan out. Good to see him go somewhere else and, and you know, be able to get a fresh start last year between Chris Mack and Mike Begeese, man. It, who knew, I don't think he even knew what role he was playing on a nightly basis. So hopefully he can end up somewhere like I saw like an SMU, maybe Houston, Arkansas. Eric Musselman has obviously worked wonders with transfers. So yeah, definitely some schools of interest there for him. Um, and then who's next, man? I, I I literally don't know. I feel like tomorrow if I woke up and saw that Jalen Withers is in the portal, wouldn't be shocked. You know, I think the only guys right now that would surprise me would be L. Ellis, uh, J.J. Trainer, just because of the connection to Kenny Payne. 
uh, with his dad being an alumni and obviously his head, his head high school coach being an alumni and close friend of Kenny Payne. And then Sidney Curry, if those three guys leave, I think that's where, you know, I, I don't necessarily have concerns over the staff, but it's just, you know, trying to figure out what is coming behind them. I think right now, Presley, what is needed is just some kind of win, right? Some kind of, whether it's an announcing of a coaching staff member or it's a recruit, you know, Missouri has landed a couple of guys since Dennis Gates was brought in from Cleveland State. DeAndre Golson was a high-profile transfer guy. Um, he committed to Missouri over the weekend. So I think fans want to see a win here, somebody that's going to step in and give us at least an idea personnel-wise of what they're looking for. Yeah, and I think if, if we get into the personnel stuff, big part of that for Louisville right now is that one of the guys that they plan to hire or one of the guys that I have every expectation that he will be a part of the staff is still going to be coaching until probably next Monday, and that's Nolan Smith on Duke staff. So we could be looking another 10, 15 days before Louisville can even start bringing guys in and having those interviews. As far as the coaching staff goes, I think that that's kind of the first piece puzzle piece that might first domino that might fall sorry i was thinking of the wrong game not not puzzles dominoes uh, yeah you definitely don't want your puzzle to fall i feel like if you don't want your puzzle falls, to fall. No. no definitely not i mean regardless your point still stands there that that's not great but I, any anyways uh, pieces in place is what i was trying to get to but it didn't make sense anyways uh samuel williamson i i think I, I want to say it's a bigger loss. Like I, I'm, I'm the type of guy, and I know that I'm a fan at heart when I see these guys leave, and it like kind of breaks my heart. Like when Samuel Williamson went to the portal, I was like, man, that kind of stinks. Because like ultimately, as a fan, you want to see them play all of their time here, and and even if it's the last, you know, even it's like a Wayne Blackshear situation where, you know, he goes out like just absolutely swinging, like with a 30 point game in the Elite Eight. You want to see them end on a high note. You want to see them end as a success story. They become your guys. They become the guys that you cover and watch. And and yeah, so it's always sad to see somebody go. But for, for Sam, I am excited for him. Sam, I am. I'm oh, I love, I love that you, you worked like that, that in there. That's you great. Like that? Dude, your wordplay word over the last few days is A++. Like I almost put uh, in the piece that I put out for the state of Louisville looking at the transfer portal, I almost put Rob Finnessy in there just to put the tweet of we Finnessy just because of we, your wordplay. We Finnessy what's going to happen. Honestly, I've been saving that up for years. I was like, <laughs> if he ever goes anywhere, we Finnessy. No, Samuel Williamson, I'm excited. I think Houston's the best fit for him. I really do. That's like, what I'm that saying. Just We're on the same makes, page there. Makes total sense for him to go there. And he's the type of guy who I think he would thrive with like an AAC schedule. Like, I think that he, I, I, he just, he was just never, he just never fit in the way that we wanted him to here. Part of that is just that he almost has an insistence to not shoot the three ball. And I don't know if that was the coaching staff. I guess nobody's ever gotten into that because they're just like over it. Don't think that Samuel Williamson is a bad player. And I think that he was a much better contributor than people want to give him credit for when he was here because he is pound for pound the best rebounder has been on, on every team that he's been on at, at Louisville. He's, a, he's a, last year Carlick Jones was probably right there with him pound for pound is as the best. Okay, rebounder. the pound for pound. Okay, okay, the yes, pound for yes, pound. Yes, not thing. the yes. best rebounder. Yeah, period. Okay. Yes. I, okay, I'll but give for you your that. size like if if me and you are going up against Matt McGavick, like Matt better be grabbing all those rebounds is what I'm right. saying. But if you're and, in there getting scrappy, they're going to say you're pound for pound the best rebounder, even though Matt's absolutely. clearly getting more boards than you. But it's yeah, just because yeah. he's gifted at being tall, not being gifted at getting rebounds. Exactly, exactly. It's like the the 
the oh, taco fall effect. I was trying to let me let me ask you this. Just go ahead. Side note: if if all of Louisville media has a pickup basketball game, Matt's the first pick, right? Because he's the tallest. No. Are you taking Will Clark? I mean, who are you taking in the first ev- and the first pick of the? I think I take Will media. Clark over Matt. I just I I, I don't know. I used him. to work it at uh, at iHeart, and you know, Will's a big guy, but I'm not sure I'd put him. Uh, I, I don't think he'd be a great basketball player. Whereas I think Matt can Matt McGavitt can move. I mean, I've heard Matt can play. Never seen it with my two eyes. Like you know, I was like about to say, we're gonna have to ask Kara about this because every time <laughs> I see a picture of Matt and he's not on the sidelines at U of L, it's his big ass head taking a nap on the couch. <laughs> That's so, right. Can he really play basketball? All right, I'm back trying to, to think. The- no, I think I think I'd take. I'm trying to think like the more athletic. Like I feel like Cam Teague. He's just got. He's got a nice build to him. Yeah. He's he's probably he's over six feet. And I feel like he could put the ball on the floor really well. Like he just seems like he just knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, okay. I'm thinking like like Dominique Yates, like these guys I, who I like know have been like in the gym. I've seen like, the video of Dom playing. I think it was like his nephew or something yeah, uh, last yeah. last winter. Yeah, Dom could play. I, I I think that's I still I think Matt's just by like you're looking around at all the cats that are available and you've got these guys who uh, and then you look at Matt and Matt's just big and then he's got his head that's even bigger. So it's like you look at him and you're like, wow, he's like six, seven. And he can really get us even though he's not. He's like six, five. But you, I'm just saying he looks like he's a tall guy that would be able to play. Uh, but I don't know if that's true or not. You know, yeah, but OK, speaking- here's a dark, dark horse. I don't know if you consider him part of Louisville media, but what about James Treble? Because he is just oh, a no, big old no. hoss. No, he's just yeah. parking it down low. <laughs> Um, I, dude, no, I got he's the roundest but I'm picturing Strebel showing up to the basketball gym looking like like dribbling like Stanley from the office. Like, I don't see Strebel <laughs> getting out there and hooping like Jim okay. Alford. We haven't even mentioned Rummage, he actually played in high school. Yeah, I'll so, give you Rummage, I'll give you yeah. Rummage. I, I think Rummage could play, and I think he still does play. Oh, and then um, we have even well, and then are are we talking like just media? Are we talking like Perrin? Like obviously Perrin would be number one, well, or Luke Hancock would be number one. Yeah, right. So like but those aren't like, really fair. Like can you imagine just where you have like the rule is you can't have college players. Like that's this that's this this pickup okay, game. Okay, so those okay. Guys aren't I was about to say because I'm I'm picturing like Perrin Johnson posted up Mike Rutherford right now, and <laughs> it's just not. It's not going well for the little guys. So no, no, I don't. I I don't think we have very many hoopers in the media. Uh, there are a lot of guys who can talk about hoops, but I'm not sure many can play. But speaking of guys who can play, you, you talk about Sam Williamson and why I think Houston is such a good fit for him. You look at a guy like Josh Carlton who came over from UConn this past year, a guy that was six foot eleven, came in as a you know highly touted three four star recruit up there. You know, kind of like Stephen Enoch, and just got lost in the shuffle and never really made the impact that you would have expected. And then he goes to Houston. And he's, you know, a, a part of a, a team that goes to the Elite Eight and, you know, looked like there for a second they might have a chance at the national championship. And he has, you know, he's averaging nearly 20 and 10 type of numbers. And, and, and if, if he can do that to that kind of player, what can he do? What can Calvin Sampson get out of, of Sam Williams and closer to home in a place where he's more comfortable? Uh, I just think that's what, you know, I'm looking to like SMU, TCU, Houston, maybe even Chris Beard calls him up at Texas. He just needs a fresh start. And I think honestly, you give him two more years of basketball, maybe he can be a guy who, you know, by the time he leaves, is is NBA ready to be that three and D kind of guy who, you know, comes in maybe undrafted, doesn't get drafted, and, and can, you know, get a two way spot. And then who knows? You know what I'm saying? So the career for Sam Williamson is definitely not over. But I think that the conversation about whether or not he is VJ King 2.0, which I know there's a lot of people who will be very much like screaming at their dial right now or their their phone, you know, wherever they're listening to this, like how dare you put him in the same vein as VJ King? But Sam had a very 
um, similar kind of following. And I think personally, man, you got to put that on Chris Mack. Like if you, you see it once, you know, and then you see it again in the exact same way with the same caliber of talent, man, that's a Chris Mack problem. Um, and with that being the case, you know, I get Sam what, saying, hey, man, look, I'm, I'm glad you're here, but I, I got to go find something else. I got to try somewhere else. It's a little bit better of a fresh start for me. All, all the best to Sam, because by all accounts, he seems like the nicest guy on the team. Like he just seems like a guy that everybody likes. And, and I don't know, maybe that was ultimately his downfall. You know, like maybe you needed like more Sidney Curry's to kind of take the reins a little bit this season. But we, I mean, everything was wrong this season. Let's not put anything on Sam being too nice. Like. If anything, you know, you'd rather turn out like Samuel Williamson than Malik Williams, to be completely frank with you. So I totally get that and respect it. Won't be the last player that we hear is going into the portal. And there's probably going to be one that like really breaks our hearts. Like somebody, one of these guys who we think is going to come back and be a, pr a pr productive part of the team is ultimately probably going to leave. Yeah. Like, and in the same, in the same conversation point there's guys who we think could leave that might end up saying a la matt cross matt cross is a guy who's already transferred here um you know has used that one-time transfer rule obviously he can get the hardship waiver probably from the ncaa but there's there's no guarantee there um so matt cross is a guy who may not have any options and maybe you know kind of stuck here um and and you know, depending on what happens with his, you know, attitude and mindset, that could be a good thing for Louisville. But at the same time, you know, a guy like a, the one that I'm kind of watching is Roosevelt Wheeler. Uh, I'm just really curious to see what's going to happen with him because it's very obvious, kind of like, you know, with Jordan Wara, with um, David Padgett, you know, Wheeler just never seemed to, no matter who the coach was last year, Chris Mack was like, you know, I'm going to go to him from now on at the backup center spot. And then I don't, <laughs> he didn't play for like a month. And then at the end of the year, you know, he played sparingly and, and never really got an opportunity. So does Roosevelt Wheeler want to come back and, and be the complimentary big to Sidney Curry, or does he want to go try to find another opportunity somewhere else? I think he's a guy that's going to definitely be interesting to watch because we really don't know. You know, with Dre Davis, we know, okay, his brother left. There's a good chance he leaves, right? With Noah, with, or uh, excuse me, with Matt Cross, it's like, okay, he had issues all year you know, who knows if he'll come back. Then you have the transfer thing with him. Mike James seems like he's sold on coming back. L. Ellis seems like he's sold on coming back. Obviously, we mentioned Trainer and Curry. And then you have Jalen Withers. So it's like Withers and, and Wheeler are the two kind of wild cards here that, um, you know, if Louisville gets them back, those are some really solid pieces to build a core with. And if not, you know, you trust that Kenny Payne can go out and rebuild a roster. And it's just kind of like, you, you know, you kind of chuck it up to roster, you know, reconstruction torn from the, the ground, uh, you know, the ground or whatever the, the, whatever the saying is not from the ground up, but whatever you tear something down from the top when of the building down, when you're tearing down the pieces of the puzzle is what That's it right. is. <laughs> when you're letting the puzzle fall, um, you know, so it, it's one of those things where we're it, like for the next week, we could think or for the next month, nobody leaves. And we're like, Oh, okay, this is the final roster. And then we get, to you know may june july and guys all of a sudden three four guys leave and, and so we definitely are in a day by day week by week situation with the roster and i i wrote about it in that article again uh, you know we can't trace anything here because we have a new head coach without you know we can trace his connections obviously to sky clark and dante allen which we'll get into um and you know maybe another kentucky transfer comes comes available um, so we can trace those connections. You know, obviously no New York Knicks players are coming here. Uh, so we can trace that connection, but there's no staff. So we have no idea who his recruiters are going to be, what connections they have, you know. So those are the things that we're going to be, you know, really kind of waiting to see how they fall into place before we can even get an, a realistic idea of what this roster looks like.
I think the one thing that you have to consider too is like the more some of these guys go into the portal, it's going to be one of those situations like where situations where when it rains it pours type of thing. And I think that with there only being four teams left out there, I think this is the week where you start to see everybody getting into the portal. You know, you have that end of year conversation with all the players. You start making a decision one way or another. And and as Kenny Payne and, and coaches that that I've I've listened to have have indicated, you are recruiting your own players now. Right. And so there's a lot of coaches around the country that are going to be doing that. They're going to be having honest conversations because by the same token, like say you're Kentucky and you have some, you know, they had some players that really panned out well for them this year and they're going to be gone. But you have other players who were not a good fit. And so do they have that conversation? Like, look, you're a freshman, you're a sophomore. Uh, you have the opportunity to go elsewhere. Like there's also going to be coaches out there like, hey, you know, transfer portal, you could go somewhere else. And, you know, so it works both ways. They're going to be trying to keep some people. They might try to get some other people out the door. Um, and then I think the, I think the thing that you start looking at as a fan, as you see some of these players go into the portal, uh, the success rate of power five to power five transfers versus smaller schools going to power fives. And I kind of broke it down a little bit uh, this week, just because I was curious. I wanted to see um, if, if my, my intuition, if my, you know, just daily thoughts about the way that the transfer portal works was actually true. And I think it is, I think it's really just 50, 50 with, you know, there's some high level players uh, who go to a Kansas or a, a Duke or, or UCLA and it just doesn't pan out, and they go somewhere else, and they ball out. Like Johnny Juzang was the perfect example last year um, from from Kentucky to UCLA. He's terrible at Kentucky, and then he just goes and just balls out at UCLA and goes to the national championship game. Yeah, and look court. at look at Bray, uh, Brady Manick for North Carolina. He's the yes, you know highest exactly. scorer remaining in the tournament right now. He's been unreal. Louisville felt that uh, you know months ago twice actually. Um, and, and, you know, he came from Oklahoma, you know, and, and look at what he's doing now. You know, you would have never expected that you're right. And with the, the, the guys moving up a level, it's a coin flip, man. It really is. We saw that this year. Like you could one year, you can get a a Damian Lee and the next year you can get a Tony Hicks and you think you're Tony hit, you you know, every year you think the Tony Hicks is going to be Damian Lee. And so it feels disappointing that when a Mason Faulkner doesn't work out, you know, um, but there's a great article that Jeff Goodman wrote last summer, the summer before when the portal really started kind of becoming a thing about the lack of success for guys moving up from, you know, the non-power five to the, the major uh, conferences. And the, the thing is that you have to pay attention to there is, you know, what is the role and what has their role been, right? So a guy like Carly Jones was a, a perfect example of a star who just needed a bigger platform to kind of increase his star. He was the player of the year in the conference. You know, he had taken his team to the the, the NCAA tournament twice uh, or something like that. And then you look at a guy like Mason Faulkner who bounced around. He went from Western, you know, uh, Northern Kentucky to Western Carolina, third team, <clears throat> you know, whatever the conference that they're in, what, you know, whatever it is. He was a guy who was probably coming here from for a lesser role. And, and sometimes it just doesn't work. So, this time around, you know, I don't think fans should have any type of intrepidation about what level they come from. It's all about what their role is going to be on the team, right? Uh, you, every team needs a, a Davion Mintz, a, a guy who's a complimentary guard, who's not afraid to come off the bench and plays, you know, certain minutes. And every team needs an, an LL. It's a star lead guard. You know what I'm saying? So every role, we don't know what those are going to look like yet, but every role is important. And if you can go out and do what, you know, Arkansas did where they get a guy like 
um, you know, J.D. Note from Jacksonville to be their leading scorer, great. Uh, if, if not, you go out and you can be, um, you know, another program who gets a guard who plays 14 minutes for you off the bench, like, uh, or, you you know, you get a Charlie Moore at Miami, guy who's bounced around. Uh, so I think, you know, fans this time around really have to trust Kenny Payne and his eye for talent and not so much look at the level of competition or what the backstory of the player is going to be in terms of transfers coming in. Yeah, and that kind of leads me to like my my first person that I want to get in, get into, Dylan Penn, uh, a guy who's hit the transfer portal. I was listening to Scott Davenport, Bellarmine's head coach, on the radio on Friday, and and he you know suggested that the team is doing everything they can to to win Dylan Penn back, uh, and and to you know show him, look, you can be just as effective here, and you can do whatever you want in your career after basketball, um, more probably even more successfully if you stay here at Bellarmine. Like, there's lots of opportunities to do that. I guess the question for Louisville fans is, is he a guy that that is worthy of maybe starting starting minutes at Louisville? And is he a guy that's that's worthy of, of Louisville reaching out to? He's he's definitely the former. He's not the latter. He is not a star. He's not a guy who's going to come in here and be a starter by any means or be a guy who can average, you know, 15 or more points a game but he is a guy who if i was kenny Payne and i wrote as much i would have him on my team tomorrow the dude is a winner he is a winner at heart he does everything that's asked of him from a leadership standpoint and what he did on a bellerman team that had so many injuries this year they were playing seven guys he was his usage rate was similar to a carly jones at louisville and and last year when they missed the tournament he was required to do everything, him and C.J. Fleming. And you you noted this on the State of Louisville Twitter that his stats against big schools, right? They played, um, you know, the one, two, and three programs this year. Um, and they played countless other good programs like St. Mary's and, and Central Michigan, Murray State, teams that were competitive in their conferences and either made the tournament or were close. And he averaged almost, you know, he averaged 17 and five, 17 points, five assists. So he is a guy who can score. He can play, play defense. Um, he can he can pass. He can rebound. He would be a great fourth guard like that type of guy, a guy who can come in and be, you know, a, a, another backup ball handler for you um, and be a guy who can, you know, get your second team in line. And, and you're, you can trust him to kind of be that steady leader. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I don't know if it's interesting to see what Louisville thinks of Bellarmine and what Kenny Payne thinks of the talent down there. I'm sure he's probably not watched much Dylan Payne, um, but you know, hopefully there's somebody around that can kind of point him in that direction to at least look at him because when you can take a guy within your own city, um, I, I promise you Louisville fans would love him. I watched enough Bellarmine games this year um, to know what he brought to the, the basketball court to, to know from a Louisville side that he would fit here. He would play well. Um, he would be a guy that is, you know, just always going to compete and play the right way. And they need that just as much as they need talent right now. What do you say to the Louisville fan who kind of expects like, you know, we're already talking about Sky Clark and we're even getting into the DJ Wagner saga that that will be over the next year. What do you say to Louisville fans that are expecting UofL to just go out and get like, say for whatever reason, Brady Manick, had another year of eligibility, like that kind, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the, what's the answer to that? Do you think that they can get in with those guys right away, or are we looking more at like the Dylan Penn level of players? You know, it's hard to say because, like I said, we don't know who Kenny's staff is. Kenny's been away from the college game for two years, so we don't really know. Coming, you know, back to that, how connected he is at the, you know, 
the program levels to be able to call players up or, you know, whatever the case is within the portal quickly, because he's, he's essentially, you know, uh, a one man band right now. He, he's the Michael Scott paper company. He's, he's the Kenny Payne basketball company right now. He's just himself. You know, he has no one else really out there recruiting for him that we know of yet. So it, it's hard to tell what level of players, you know, the Sky Clark thing makes perfect sense because of the Kentucky connection. Obviously Sky Clark has talked glowingly about Kenny Payne and Joel justice, who I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks that that's a, that that's a staff addition that he, he names. Like, I don't know if that's happening, but writings on the wall that it could happen. Bobby Hurley, probably not going to last another year at Arizona state. Um, Joel justice, you know, was at Kentucky for however many years, it seems like an easy move to bring him here as one of your lead assistants, top recruiters. Boom, bam, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Uh, but until then, we have no idea what they do, what he can do and what he can't do. My thing is right now, the recruiting thing, you know, he was in the the high school recruiting game two years ago, and you really start to kind of uh, form your relationships with guys when they're that sophomore year, you know, that, that sophomore to junior year. Uh, that's when they really start kind of recruiting that class. So Kenny has some connections still with some of these guys that are seniors in high school now. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, can they get involved with Devin Reed who decommitted from LSU or Julian Phillips or uh, Malik Renault who decommitted from Florida or some of these other guys that have stepped away from their commitments at, at some big schools. Can Kenny get back and open the door there? And I, I don't see why he couldn't. I think Louisville fans, my thing would be, trust that uh, that he is going to do everything he can to land those those kids but circumstances are circumstances um and louisville is you know it's not 2018 football a mess but it's a mess man there's a lot of rebuilding to do there and you i I can imagine that you know this better than anybody having covered it all year so closely there's there's stuff off the court that has to be addressed and then there is a ton of stuff basketball wise that just has to be addressed before you can really start to say what you need aside from they need guards. They need, they need guards right now. If you can play guard, I'm sure can't have a tryout right now and start putting some guys on the roster because they need it bad, man. You have one guard coming back. You have one ball handler next year and if he comes that back is, and that's, that's, that's right. the other, if, if he decides to come back. It, it, oh man. I think Louisville fans would poop their pants and be like, like, you know, the gif of the, the guy, like, squeezing his face, trying not to, like, burst out whatever he's going to say, of trying to, like, be upset with Kenny that L. Ellis left. Louisville fans love L. Ellis, and if he left, they would be heartbroken. But, look, man, he's got a chance to add Sky Clark here realistically. I mean, I don't think – if we saw a commitment tomorrow morning or next week or an official visit, I don't think you or I would be surprised by that. I think that, that that's going to happen. It feels like that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah, and we got a visitor coming into the screen now. I mean, this is unbelievable. This kid's been just asleep all day, and now we got a dog on the screen. Uh, but no, I mean, the, the Sky Clark, the Sky Clark situation to me, you know, there's a lot of recruits still out there in the 2022 class that are uncommitted or who have decommitted. Yeah, uh, so a there's ton, lots of big a names. Yeah, and th- there's a lot of guys besides Sky Clark. We know it's Sky Clark because it was funny because he was committed to UK for like two years, and then he backed out of his of his letter of an intent. But and and the reality. People who were in the know feel like Illinois is is the the team to beat for Sky Clark right now. Uh, so there's there's absolutely there's still a long way to go. And I mean, I I would have to look up the exact date, but we still have quite a while before anybody has to be committed yeah. and on and on on this roster. So it's going to be a long haul thing. And I mean, we'll have guys that it might be you know started the summer before before we have this roster completely polished and 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 put together. Um, and, and as far as your, your comments about what needs to be done with the current roster, there's going to be a lot of just bad habits that, that 
players have formed, you know, mental, mentally and, you know, in, in their in their style of play that, that are going to be need to be changed. Like if Jalen Withers stays here, he's a guy that's kind of a mystery because, you know, he played some of the five really successfully his fresh his redshirt freshman season. And then he was just absolutely lost when Chris Mack was the coach. And then he balled out when Kenny Payne came or Kenny Payne um, when when Mike Biggies came back uh, at, at the end of the season. So he was just such a Jekyll and Hyde like that's just the perfect example of of, you know, if Dre Davis comes back, how the heck do you use Dre Davis? Mike James is a guy that we've never seen. Who? Mike James. Yeah, Um, there's there's a lot of moving parts. And that's what makes this so difficult, right? Is that there's just so many unknowns at this point. We don't know, you know, we have three three assistant coaches and and any number of, of administrative people to hire, or you know, we'll see if Reese Gaines comes back. We'll see if Milt Wagner if that's actually a thing that's gonna happen. You know, we'll we'll see a lot of, of, of what goes down um before long. Uh, but the difficulty of this this discussions is we don't even know what we're talking about. Like not not that like we are ill informed that like just nobody <laughs> anything doesn't know. You so, should start that off as the the tag to the intro of the podcast. We do not know what we're talking about. Yeah, that that's a that's a top fiver right there. Besides, like the one where you said I do not like children and and I'm pretty fat. Um, so no, but but outside of that, you know, if a wise man once said that you should dream big and then take your biggest dreams and double it. Um, so if if you if you could take your biggest dreams and double it, Jacob, do you, do you even know what that reference is? That's got to be a, a Gary V thing. I I would imagine. No, no, is that's that's Kev, that's Kevin Malone. Um, oh, that's right. Running, in the, running in the around the tomorrow. running around yeah. the, the office, and then he's panting on the floor. Yeah, take your biggest dream right. and double it, and then throws up into a trash can. But no, if if you could dream big right now, based on what's out there in the portal, give me two or three names. You know, I, I, if and by the way, if, if you're listening and you have not checked it out yet, Jacob put in a lot of time and effort to kind of dive into what the transfer portal is looking like right now and what some realistic options are who some guys that, that Louisville could reach out to if you, if you're, you know, looking into a crystal ball and, and, uh, and trying to forecast the future, what are what are you seeing in the transfer portal that you're really liking? Yeah. The thing about the portal that's really interesting to me is the, the waves that this occurs. And, and you, you talked about it at the earlier part at the beginning of the show that we're going to start to see this wave that's, you know, slowly ticking up right now of guys entering the portal only go higher and higher as the, the final four commences and the national championship happens, guys make NBA draft decisions and things like that. So, you know, this is just the beginning and who is in here now will change by Monday. will change by Wednesday, by Friday. It's, it's so um, fluid in terms of, of who's entering and who's exiting. So I wouldn't get too fixated on a bunch of names right now, which obviously the joke is Louisville fans think that we can get anybody we want on the roster from the transfer portal. Like it's called the Louisville portal, not the transfer portal. Uh, because of the fact that if a guy enters in and Louisville fans demand him be on the roster, then that's how it goes. So um, looking at it now, there's honestly maybe two guys that I think that Louisville could have legitimate interest in, maybe maybe three or four. Um, and, and I tiered it off. So I'll give you one from each tier. Um, from uh, from the tier one, kind of the top guys, the, the number one guy in the portal is a guy that I guarantee you 99 out of 100 listeners have never heard of. And I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm going to say it anyways. Fardaz Imic. He's a forward center out of Utah Valley out there at the WAC. 
in the WAC conference, the Western athletic conference, for those of you who aren't familiar uh, with that conference in college basketball. Um, he was a double, double machine. He is easily the top guy in the portal right now. Every program is after him from Duke, Kentucky, Syracuse, Florida, Florida state, like you name a program, Oklahoma, Texas, everyone wants him to come and play for them next year. I don't see Louisville getting involved because of them having Sidney Curry, Jalen Withers, those guys on the roster. Then you've got a guy like Jalen Bridges, uh, Iverson Molinar, West Virginia and Mississippi State, respectively. Jalen Bridges is an uber-athletic wing who is a, a 3 and D NBA prototype. He can defend out the gym, can jump out of the gym. Not, not a great scorer, but um, he enrolled early as a high school junior at West Virginia, um, redshirted his first year, and then has started every game just about since then. So he's got three years, essentially, of college under his belt already, but he's only like 20 years old. So there's still a lot of potential there for him to grow. And then Iverson Molinar, uh, one of the top players in the SEC last year, Louisville fans got to see him down at the Bahama uh, – I wanted to call it the Bahama Breeze Open, but that's definitely not what it's called. But let's skip, let's, let's we'll just roll with that. The Bahama Breeze Open, um, like the one thing Louisville did well this year was guard Iverson Molinar. Uh, but he's a guy who averaged nearly 19 points a game um, and, and really did some good things from a scoring and, and defensive standpoint for them. They were not a good team, obviously. Ben Howland was fired, uh, but he enters the NBA draft. Questions are, are whether he'll even play another minute of college basketball, but. He is a guy that everyone should want. And considering the fact that Louisville has no guards right now, besides Ellis, I would be after every guard that fits what I'm trying to do. Considering he's an up-tempo, dribble-drive kind of guy, you got to think Louisville at least would say, hello, what's your interest level in coming to Louisville? Tier two. This is where I, I'm stuck, man. I've got uh, just a basketball crush. And, and i got to be quite open with you. Um, I, you know, I watch the portal pretty frequently and just like look and see who is, who's, you know, putting their name in. And then, you know, if it's, you know, I see somebody like Jeff Barzello or John Rothstein kind of confirm that they're a big name, then I'll look a little bit more. And I had never heard of Cameron winter, uh, until about last week when he entered the portal, but, um, he was a four-year starter at Drexel, uh, starter at Drexel. He was a, uh, almost a 2000 point scorer. He's got one more year of, of college basketball left. He's a guy like Damian Lee, Trey Lewis, who, has proven he can do it at the top of the top of the conference from the CAA conference. Obviously, Drexel worked out for Louisville before. He was a first-team all-conference player this year. Back when they went to the NCAA tournament, uh, I think it was two years ago, or maybe it was last year, he was the conference tournament player of the uh, uh, you know MVP, made the first-team all-conference team. He is a guy that can score, rebound, and pass. He He's kind of like Trey Lewis, maybe a little bit less athletic version. Um, and he's a guy who I think that is going to look for a starting role. And I don't necessarily know if Louisville can offer that to him, considering that they want a five-star and, and Sky Clark. And maybe there's a couple of other higher profile guards that they want to go after. But Cameron Winter is a guy that is going to make one, one program a lucky program next year. He has got that kind of NCAA tournament, get him in there. And he's got the chance to take your team, you know, two rounds further than what you thought because he's able to put it all together and make everyone around them better. I love this kid's game. I, I don't think he'll end up at Louisville. I think it's more like an Ohio State, uh, maybe like even he's a he's a New York, New Jersey kid. So maybe Seton Hall playing for Shaheen Holloway, who, by the way, man, how about lose it at seven o'clock, have a new contract at Seton Hall by nine o'clock? My mom was like, how about those poor boys? Why don't you wait a day? And I had to explain the situation to where it's like everyone in the New Jersey area knew that that was happening. But I've never seen anything like that before. How about that? That was unbelievable, but I, I think that the reason that it worked out is because, number one, he played there. And Correct. Two, he, he, he was just coaching there for a long time. So he's going to go and replace replace Kevin Willard. 
Uh, it just it made too much sense. The writing was on the wall there. It was Perfect more sense. obvious than Kenny Payne coming to Louisville. Like it was. That's just, right. Yeah. And it was just, I, it, here's the here's the thing. I'll say this, and I don't know what's going to happen with the George Washington job, but should Mike Pegues not get a job as a head coach, I would love to see Shaheen Holloway hire him as his lead assistant at Seton Hall. I, I think Mike Pegues would be perfect yeah. to coach under him, and they have that kind of similar rah rah hype them up mentality. I would love to see that as a connection there, but uh, moving on to the third tier and this, this might frustrate Louisville fans. There's a couple of names that I think you might be worth, you know, kind of watching Xavier Pinson played at LSU. Um, you know, you've got Taylor Funk, who was a, a standout stretch four at St. Joseph's. There's obviously Dylan Penn that you mentioned, but the name that I'm watching for here is Dante Allen. Um, and the reason why is pretty obvious, man. He's a, he was there at Kentucky, or at least was being re- recruited by Kentucky. I'm not exactly sure how the timelines work out. Um, when Kenny Payne was an assistant there, obviously Kenny was super, you know, uh, involved in their recruiting efforts. I know Dante Allen only averaged like two points a game um, over the course of his his season last year, three overall in his career in two years, but. The kid is a knockdown shooter. Um, it's clear that when you look at the roster that they had, and, and they just kept bringing guys in, Severe Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, that they never took him seriously. It was more of just like a notch on the belt that we got to land the best player in the state to say that we did it. I, I think Dante Allen would have interest in coming to Louisville. I think that they could find a role for him. I don't know how good he is, but I do know that, you know, that Mississippi State game, if you watch that where he went seven for 11 or something like that, I mean, if you can only slightly replicate that and that dribble drive, high tempo, you need shooters. And he could be a guy who can play even a, a 15 to 20 minutes is an upgrade for him from what he was at last year. And he'd have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And that's the kind of thing that you want for Louisville. You know, you want to bring a guy in who hates Kentucky as much as you do. And Dante Allen probably uh, does not, you know, I don't know, maybe he doesn't hate him, but he probably wants to get some revenge on never giving him a legitimate chance to kind of become a part of the rotation there. So uh, what would you think about that? I mean, that's a, that's a Kentucky. We haven't seen a Kentucky guy come here since Marvin stone, you know, RIP. So I don't, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, you know? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you have to put it out there. Anybody who beats out David Johnson for Kentucky state player of the year by only playing six games. I mean, he's got to be an impressive specimen. That's right. Uh, so you got to you got to throw that out there. In all seriousness, I mean, I think that he would be an interesting guy to look at because he has that previous relationship. Kenny Payne w- was his coach, so I think that would be something that'd be interesting interesting to kind of look into and, and see if if it'd be a good fit culturally. I'm not like super pumped about him just because it would be. I mean, I think there's a reason why he didn't get a lot of a lot of playing time at Kentucky, but you do see there are plenty of examples of guys out there that just never really got a shot at their school and then went somewhere else. And they were awesome. Uh, exhibit a Oscar Shebway going from West Virginia to Kentucky was pretty much just middle of the road at West Virginia goes to Kentucky and he's an all American. So it's like, you know, there, there are guys out there that do that sort of stuff. They're few and far between, uh, you know, we're not looking at an Oscar Shebway here. We're looking more like a, you know, mid mid level type of transfer that could be just a, a an added piece to the roster. If Kenny Payne likes him, and if the new coaching staff likes him, then I'm I'm in. Exactly. Kind of, that right. that'll be my take going forward. And I know that's a terrible take. And I mean, and that's what I was saying. Play. That's what I said at the beginning. You have to you have to trust him as as a recruiter relationship guy and a guy who understands the process that he's about to you know take on. Um, you know, that's important to understand that this is a process. This is not a, 
overnight thing. Now, look, he he's inheriting a really talented roster, and, and I think the situation is comparable to what Tommy Lloyd did at Arizona. Arizona had pieces, right? They had Christian Coloco, they had Kirk Hersa, they had um, you know, they had Benedict Mutherin, they had Dalen Terry, they had uh Tebulus, they had all those guys who have been really good for them. And then they came in and they added Omar Ballo. They added, you know, a couple of transfer guards, Justin Keir out of Georgia. So if Kenny Payne can come in and add complimentary pieces and add the right players, I'm not saying that the, this team is full of stars, but I definitely think you have to trust what he sees and what he thinks they need. And here's why I don't think Dante on right now is a, a, even slightly on the radar because shooting is obviously important, but right now you literally have, and I've I said this before, you have one ball handle. You need guard. You need guards who not only can can shoot, but you need you need point guards. You need shooting. You need combo guards. That's what they need right now. And Dante Allen, Allen is really more of like a standstill, spot up kind of guy. And they have that in Matt Cross. They have that in, in other players right now. And, and so I, I, right now you got to look at other places first. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, I, I would ask you this: What's your over under on the number of Kentucky players on the like former Kentucky players on the roster last year? Is it is it if I gave you, you know, 0.5, would you go over that or under that? And Zane Payne, uh, Payne does not count because I yeah, think Zane Payne doesn't count. At first, I was thinking like I was dreaming, not dreaming big, but I was thinking in terms of numbers, I was thinking like one or two. Now, I don't know. It, so it sounds like uh, where was the was the guy that I was really interested in because he's he's the Camden guy uh, mm -hmm. who just didn't just didn't work out uh, at, at Kentucky. So it just it would make sense. Um, and, and then also uh, Bryce Hopkins. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I thought those Bened were... I think it's Blankenbaker that calls him Benedict Hopkins, which I just think is hilarious. And here's why Hopkins can't come back. And I don't mean to cut you off here, but what he said when he decommitted was he was worried about the NCAA sanctions. He cannot come back here. That proves that that was a lie. Yeah. Yeah. It does. But I mean, I guess bygones it, can be bygones. 17 right? and 18 year olds are pretty stupid too. So I mean, I know I was. I don't know about you, but. I was pretty yeah. dumb back then, so I don't know. It'd be different if like a, if a a professional sports baller said that, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm gonna go under right now. I don't think anybody from UK will get will end up at UVL. Uh, number one, I just think it'd be weird. It's just a weird relationship thing because Kenny Payne and, and John Calipari are thick as thieves, so it would be weird for him to just be poaching his players. Right. And and, and number two, yeah. I just think that he wants a fresh start. I think he wants it to be it like anybody would. I think that he wants it to be his program. And so by, you know, ultimately poaching players from, from Kentucky, you know, it's one thing if it's Sky Clark, a guy who's, who's never played a, a second at Kentucky. It's another thing if it's guys that are already on the roster. If, if Louisville does have anybody on the roster that was associated with Kentucky, it'd be, it'd be Clark, and that's really it. But initially, I really gave it a lot of thought because it, it totally makes sense. You know, you have these guys on Kentucky's roster that he has relationships with that, you know, I mean, when you recruit a kid uh, and, and Chris Mack went, went in, into this multiple times, when you recruit a player, just because they don't commit to you doesn't mean that you don't have a strong relationship with them. Right. And I now mean, more than ever, it's more important to make sure that those relationships are built to last and not just, mm -hmm. you know, I want you to commit now and then I don't care about you. It's very, exactly. very obviously that, you know, for instance, I think it's uh, Terrence Shannon, maybe I think I saw that had a great relationship with Chin Coleman when he was at Illinois. And now the writing is on the wall that there's a good chance Terrence Shannon is going to end up at Kentucky, which makes them, you know, incrementally better on the, on the wing defensively there. He's a major upgrade in my opinion, over Keon Brooks. 
Um, and so like that relationship matters. Jen Coleman is a win for Calipari at that point because he comes in with an, a relationship. So how many Terrence Shannons are out there for Louisville, you know, with Kenny Payne that he had a relationship with, I would be, you know, I would be say, I would say go back and look at the top 25 guys and the, probably the 1918 class right. uh, and be on the lookout for if any of them transfer that Louisville will be on the prowl because Kenny will right. be right in his element of saying, I remember them. I recruited them coming out of high school. So uh, definitely one to watch there. And I look, I, I think that there's not a player on Kentucky's team that will transfer here that I really want. If I'm being quite honest with you, I mean, I don't really care for Hopkins for the reasons I mentioned. I don't necessarily know if Allen is going to be better than what you can go out and get in the portal. Um, and, and then, you know, if, if it's, if it's uh where, or if it's Toppin or if it's, you know, one of those kind of guys, Damian Collins, maybe, but I just don't see a scenario where any of those guys kind of work out. So I'm right there with you. I, I would have said one, but now I'm at zero. And then here's the last thing we can we can finish with this in, in terms of looking at what's in the fold for next year. I definitely think that, you know, it sounds like the writing on the wall is Kamari Lands is going to come and be a member of the Cardinals program. And that is as big of a win for Kenny Payne as, as just about anything at this point. I mean, the, the fact that he would stay committed to um, Louisville despite Chris Mack leaving and then, you know, Mike McGee's going through that whole ordeal. That's a huge win. And then here's the other thing. And I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I have no connections to this. This is probably terrible, you know, for me to do this. But keep an eye on Caleb Glenn and the reclassification thing. I've I've heard that out there before. I don't know if there's any legs to it or not. But um, Caleb Glenn has done just about everything you can do at the high school level. He is college ready, as college ready gets. I don't know what his education side of things looks like, but if Louisville can get him in now. Kenny, let's go for it. Let's get Caleb in the fold here because then you're really talking about having a team that can do something special. Yeah, as, as somebody who went through that traditional program at, at Mail, wow, I just sound like a nerd there. But as oh, somebody, as somebody who, was, who went through the traditional program and got a 4.0 and went on to play golf at Spalding, oh, here's yeah, my take. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I had like a 1.7 in high <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but you have to take extra classes at Mail that don't necessarily count towards your diploma, right? So especially once you get into your senior year, you're you're already almost at those. I, I don't know what they call them in high school, but like a credit hour, right? Yeah, the so, AP classes, the ones where yeah. you're taking them for credit for college. Right, right. So yes, that's that is a real possibility that he only has like two classes he has to knock out to ultimately receive a diploma or a GED or an equivalent to qualify to to go to to college. Um, so ultimately, I think. That is a realistic possibility, but it being a real possibility, I have no idea. I have I have no idea that if that has any traction whatsoever. Yeah, the, the one thing that I wanted to finish off on, um, I wanted to get to pick your brain about this a little bit. How do you feel that Louisville will kind of adjust culturally under Kenny Payne? Meaning, like, what will be the what will the environment be like? Will it be more like the the Denny Crum days, or you, you see what I'm saying? Like when you're at a when you're at a Louisville basketball game, there's a certain there's a certain brand, there's a certain there's a professional environment, but it's also, you know, knowledgeable fan base. But we also speak with with our, our money. Right. And when we're disappointed, we don't show up. Um, and that's you know, that's just the reality of the situation is, is fans will speak with with their with their wallets. And so my question for you would be, do you do you feel that that Kenny Payne asking fans to back to back the program and, and, and his, his brothers, as he says, to back the program um, and, and everybody around the city that they need them. Do you feel like 
things are going to change under, under Kenny Payne as far as the environment, as far as the way that people perceive the program? Uh, or do you think that the fan base is just kind of baked in? That's how that how it is, and and not much is going to change when he takes over. I want to say that I feel like everything is going to change, and all of a sudden Louisville is going to become a much more kind of like laid back type of of audience. But you and I both know damn near both you know really well that this is a a, a fan base that takes no excuses when it comes to basketball. It doesn't matter who you are. It, there are no excuses for not being the best of the best. I think what Kenny will will find is a bit more grace to where they did not give that to other coaches. I mean, look, Louisville, try, Louisville fans tried to give Chris Mack every opportunity to win that, you know, kind of win back uh, the affection there. And he didn't give a, a rat's ass about that, man. He was far more interested in, in his own personal well-being, obviously. But I think Kenny gets the benefit of the doubt of he is at his core what matters most to Louisville, and that is a Louisville guy. Louisville people take care of Louisville people. Uh, and I think that Louisville will be Louisville fans will be supportive of everything that he does um, as long as it makes sense um, and it can be accounted for and it has leadership around it. And there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be that way. Kenny talked about priding himself for doing things the right way. Right. That's a that's a hot phrase around college basketball, doing things or, or sports in general, doing things the right way. And this. For him, it's not cliche. It's not a, a saying you put on the wall. It's it's what he does and how he carries himself. And I think that Louisville fans will respect the kind of quiet, chilled energy of his. They'll have to adjust to it. But I think Louisville fans will uh, come to admire it because of the fact that it's going to produce winning, in my opinion. And, and it's going to be a different style than what they're used to. But it's going to be a much more player-focused, player-centric kind of Love him up like a Shaheen Holloway type of coach, man. And that's where college basketball is headed these days. You need more coaches like Shaheen Holloway who speak the language of the players, who value the players. And at its core, I think as long as fans can see that and, and can watch that and, and Kenny is accountable for what he does and things of that nature, I think little fans will be supportive, man. I really do. But look, Kenny starts losing. It doesn't matter who you are. It, it, it could be coach crumb out there again you know they uh, you know I, there's obviously the whole narrative of crumb being run out but look at that last season it was 13 and 21 or whatever it was like losing basketball here is it's losing a death games, sentence to your career a, that's yes. correct yeah yes. it's not the equivalent of dying in real life but it is uh, you know it is louisville fans do not accept losing that's going to be the thing to watch is what happens with winning versus losing and thankfully i think we both agree louisville's probably going to do some winning uh, here in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I, I think that I think patience is going to be the thing. I think that fans are just so, so just pressed about just getting back to the tournament number one and, and winning tournament games uh, that we don't want to have, you know, I, I think as, as a program, the, the expectations are final four or bust type of, you know, if you, if you go to the if you don't get to the second weekend at least it's just a failure of a season right and ultimately i think that that's kind of what drives the program but i'm interested in seeing as we change the culture uh, as kenny payne takes over and, he, and he's not as as you know gruff as like a rick patino or even like a denny crumb um or definitely not like a chris mack you know he is definitely a personality change as a face of the program. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to see how Louisville leans into that. I know that, and if you haven't checked it out and you're listening, go and check out Jacob's interview with, with Lottie Stockwell. 
it's absolutely will open your eyes to everything that goes on behind the scenes to engage you to engage mm-hmm. the fans to drive ticket sales to to just you know to make win to, yeah, yeah to, to win, win. And, to win yeah and 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 make the best possible environment while while doing so but i've actually taken a deep dive recently into what goes on to ultimately drive the culture of a program be it a college program be it a professional program or whatever and i ran into this team you've probably seen this online but i took a deep dive into this recently the savannah bananas have you heard of the savannah bananas jacob i believe that is a a, a single a uh minor league baseball team yeah and and i don't even know if they're single a they're like collegiate I, it's kind of weird how it works it's like an naia situation okay uh, but essentially they they're legit like they won the league this year like they won like the league championship that they the played. league the league yeah. they play they, in the they league. won the the league that, that that they were that they were in um but they also have this thing called banana ball uh where essentially they played uh, their uh, that, i'm pretty sure that's called a banana hammock <laughs> just pretty sure just throwing yeah. it out there just that's, throwing it out there i mean that's the application at least yeah, well, well in, in this application they have <laughs> games called banana ball so first of all this team since its inception in 2015 has sold out every game that they played number one they have a 4,000 seat stadium but number two they created banana ball where they just have these crazy rules and they play these not counting towards their season games where they have the craziest rules that you can possibly think of. The the one that's been trending on Twitter today uh, is that they have instilled this rule that if or there's a pop-up and it goes into the crowd and it's for the, the third out, then then if the fan catches it, then it's considered an out. So they, How do, yeah, oh, they just playing their own sport? They have invented their own sport, essentially. Like but baseball. during real games, they also have just like ridiculous stuff going on at all times. The okay. players run run through the crowd after the first run of the game. They, you know, they do like crazy, like like they do try to come up with different ways to do postseason interviews, whether it be uh, crawling underneath the bathroom stall while the while the star players taking a poop, mm. or uh, doing S- ASMR interviews and that sort of stuff. The the craziest things you can possibly think of to engage mm. with the fans. But they have just been it's unbelievable. People go just for the fun of it. It's like a circus environment, and the it guy who started. Like it. The guy who started it did this to a different franchise uh, and then took over the Savannah Bananas mm-hmm. and uh, essentially has turned it into he studied like Barnum and Bailey's and Walt Disney and all this stuff and has turned it into this like big circus, essentially. So you're uh, telling me Kenny Payne needs to hire him as his lead assistant. I, I'm not I'm saying that, but I'm saying that the way that you get asses in seats in 2022 and beyond is that you have to provide value. Like I'm sitting here right now, I got, you know, I can have the Oscars and and women's college basketball on and like 4K right in front of my face and I can drink uh, as much. And yeah, I unlimited drink, bourbon. Yeah, unlimited bourbon, unlimited beer. Clickety-clank. Clickety-clank yes. as the ice goes throughout Clickety-clank. the show. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Splenda and Scotch. Tastes like Splenda. Get you drunk get like you Scotch. Drunk. Yes. Um, but re- regardless, what is what is Louisville doing to to engage – the fans, and I think that Louisville is the perfect case study for the perfect kind of cohesion between college and professional sort of environments, and what can Louisville do to kind of increase that. But I think a lot of that goes back to the fans. I think what what can we do as fans to kind of ultimately cultivate that sort of environment? Because 
I'll be honest with you, in the later Freedom Hall years and into the Yum Center, the first 10, 15, 20 rows have been classified as more uppity, whereas, you know... Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been yelled at by, by an older person for cheering at a game too loud. Yeah, which... yeah. And it's just... It, it kind of is, it's kind of unbelievable to, to think about that a program with, with as much passion and, and engagement as, as you have also struggles at times to kind of create a consistent environment like a lot of pro- college programs have. And yeah. so my mind has kind of gone to how can we as fans uh, begin to, you know, engage better, begin to make it more of a, I mean, it's a social event in football and basketball. Don't get me wrong. Um, but how can we make it more of a just a fun, like family party atmosphere? How can it be more like, you know, the women's basketball games where people are like freaking the heck out when they're up by 35? Like, how does that become something that is more consistent like we kind of had in the earlier Freedom Hall days and, and kind of like we see when Louisville's really successful? Uh, and so I, I think that 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 could be this could be the season that we try to turn over a new leaf and ultimately become engaged regardless as, as fans. Uh, obviously you're not going to walk out feeling the same after a loss as you do with the, with the win, but how can you just have, just soak, soak it up and have the best possible time. I think that there are ways to do that, that are untapped Uh, and, and Louisville fans can absolutely, absolutely be a part of that. It doesn't just have to be Louisville providing you with, with the perfect product all the time. That's right. And I I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up to end the show. Uh, There, there is no amount of, uh, condolences that we can send here. Uh, too many people have been impacted by this gentleman. Uh, but if you're not familiar with Sedet Acton, which I don't know if I'm saying that name right, uh, the, handstand, that's, that's the, the, the handstand man is a name that you might know a little bit more. Uh, personally, uh, passed away, I believe, either this morning or last night. Uh, but he was a legend at Freedom Hall. I can remember seeing his handstands on the rails up in the corner countless times. And I just saw a tweet from Everett Southern. Sullivan, who played for Louisville, obviously, I think in like the 80s or 90s, I'm not exactly sure the time frame, but uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, he was personally responsible for winning a lot of games for Louisville just because of being able to turn the crowd around. So uh, hopefully one thing we see at the beginning of 2022-23 is some type of tribute uh, to Mr. Handstand Man, because that's the kind of energy that's missing right now from the basketball, you know, kind of, I think he's the perfect kind of metaphor for what's missing is just that kind of organic grassroots the little things get you excited about the game. And, you know, I think a lot of fans think that it's become too big too you know, money driven type of, of an environment. And so I think, you know, how they can kind of tap back into what they did at freedom hall and, and, you know, kind of really bring back to life what worked in the eighties and nineties when Louisville was on the up and up and not, you know, this yum center type of team will be interesting. So Presley, man, thanks for letting me hang out. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, as much as your, your listeners are probably pissed off that I'm here. Not really. I hope they, they aren't, but, uh, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to be together here for the next couple of weeks. Um, we've got a lot of good stuff planned because right now it, it's basketball season, uh, especially you can call it free agency. You can call it uh, the wild, wild west, whatever you want to call it, man. Things are going to be hot and heavy for the next couple of months. And I want to be here by your side as your best friend covering it with you, man. Let's do it, man, dude. I'm pumped. Uh, yeah, we do have a lot of exciting stuff coming. Obviously there's not going to be a lot of basketball, but I feel like we're becoming more and more like, you know, NBA free agency or NFL free agency where people who are addicted to that stuff, they, yes. they, they want to talk it. about it. Yeah. They, they love prepping for the draft more than they do the actual season. Right. Like once you get a couple losses into the season, you're like, all right, who can we draft next? Like right, it's going to be exactly. like one of those things for college basketball. And I know you and I, people who follow the game closely and, and, you know, have a lot of opinions on it. 
it'll be exciting to go through. Uh, somebody actually asked me today, they're like, you're recording a basketball podcast tonight? I was like, yeah, I'm recording a basketball podcast. Did you see how bad we sucked? We got to fix this stuff. We got to talk about it. Did Come you on. see that Rick Pitino offered Gabe Witznitzer a scholarship? That's yeah, a full I mean, segment worth of news. Yeah, that is a 75-minute podcast right there, sir. Uh, <laughs> we, we need to plan the emergency podcast for the day that he commits and joins Quinn Slazinski and Iona has the most dynamic pair in college basketball. I mean, Wiz and Slaz, man, that's an NIL deal waiting to happen. Oh, and I'm, I'm ready for Slaz's revenge already. <laughs> you know, they, they missed out on the tournament and they watched the Cox go on this, this massive run. Like I'm, I'm ready for Slaz's revenge. I'm ready for him to, to get out there and, and become a, a stud in the MAAC. So that's um, right. But Jacob, you need to get out of here. You have a, you have small children in your house and stuff. So I can't believe they've, or you, they've let you go for an hour, but my, my dog is not letting me go for an hour. So no, my kids don't need to get out and be walk or, you know, want to be, you know, climb. I mean, I guess they would climb if I gave them the opportunity to, but uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're sleeping, man. This is starting five Oh two after dark. That's how it gets down here. So uh, getting down and dirty, baby. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.